Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. We have an old friend with us, Dr. Sam Shamardi. And Sam is a periodontist who is practicing in the Boston area. His background was he went to Tufts University for dental school and then University of Pennsylvania for his periodontal uh, license. And he went to California and tried to practice for about a year and then found out not his cup of tea, came back to the East Coast, which of course we know where all the greats are, and came to Boston and he's still a Lakers fan. We're going to work on him on that, but he's going to join us today. And he's written the financial survival guide for dentists. He's a catapult education speaker, and he is an entrepreneur and came up with a revolutionary ear aid product. And he talks a lot about hearing loss and dentistry. And I think we need to talk about it and we need to listen to it, especially us old timers who might experience some, some high frequency hearing loss. So welcome, Dr. Sam. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on again. I'm uh, looking forward to it and talk about some, some hearing loss here. You betcha, man. So let's, let's get right into it. So how did you get into this? What was, were you starting to have some hearing issues? What, what, what started all this? Yeah, I think, uh, the way it started for me, once uh, once I started practicing, and you know, when you're in school, you're you're usually just treating, you know, a couple patients a day, maybe one, two, three patients a day. And once you get out there into the working world, you you're you're getting slammed every day with tons of patients. And I think once I started working, uh, I started thinking one day, you know, how loud all the different sounds were. Right? We've got the high speed, the high speed suction, the ultrasonics, and and, and I just found some of those noises, frankly, to just be aggravating. You know, sometimes when you hear that suction gets stuck on a patient's tongue and you, and you hear that loud shrill or you've got that ultrasound. Oh, I jump. I jump. Oh. I, hope, I hope my handpiece isn't turning when that happens. It, it, exactly. And it just was driving me nuts. And Catch you know, a rubber I, dam. Oh, Catch yeah. Catch a rubber dam in the burr. Oh, yeah. You see Literally. it happen. You see it happen and it's like... <gasps> 
literally we've got we've got like a hundred <laughs> options that we can think of uh as as dental professionals of of noises that just drive us crazy so i i had a colleague who actually uh was a physician and was also uh a, a pretty uh established uh, dj and i remember one day thinking to myself well I, you know how the hell is this guy uh, you know, with these gigantic speakers right next to his ears, how the hell is he mixing music and, and not going deaf? And how's that working? And I ended up finding out that, you know, there was these specific type of plugs that he would wear that still kind of let him hear his music and, and do, you know, his work without, you know, messing up his ears. And I thought to myself, well, that's genius. Why, why don't we have that? Yeah, why don't we have that? Yeah. So that's kind of what started it. And, and, you know, one of the things that kind of annoyed me was that, you know, right away, of course, I, I, I wanted to blame the ADA. And I said, well, you know, it's their fault. They never told us anything about it. And the first time I started looking up some of the articles, I realized that they had articles back from the 70s uh, telling us that, you know, hearing is a big issue and we should do something about it. So I was like, well, wait a second. I, I guess they, they were telling us, but nothing was really ever done. And, and that's kind of what started the process of me trying to see, you know, what I could find as a solution for us. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Okay. Um, where did it go from there? Take us, take us on the journey, man. Yeah, so you know, the more I started looking into stuff, uh, the, the the scarier the reality got. So you know, before I even get into the actual you know solution and, and, and product standpoint, just just to give everybody listening in a better understanding of some of the background. So uh, you know, first off, part of the reason we don't hear much about hearing loss is because they don't classify it as as a disability. Uh, but what's crazy is that if tomorrow they decided, you know what, we're, we're going to count hearing, hearing loss as a disability, it would, it would actually rank as the number one disability uh, that we have in the country. So the prevalence of it is, is huge. Uh, within the workplace, uh, you know, noise-induced hearing loss, it's, it's the most self-reported occupational injury that exists in the workforce. So uh, it's, it's, it's massive. And when you look at the prevalence uh, of hearing loss, um, if you were to, to combine cancer, diabetes, uh, mental health uh, together, it still wouldn't be as high as what hearing loss is. And hearing loss actually outranks uh, asthma and cardiovascular disease as well in terms of prevalence. The only thing that has a greater prevalence right now in our country is musculoskeletal disease. So again, all of these other, you know, significant health issues that we have, we've all heard about them and, and we all, you know, try and deal with them. But how many people can we say have heard anything about hearing loss? And of course, the answer to that is, is, is none. So um, I started looking at what the literature showed in terms of what it does to our hearing, which I'll, I'll talk about. But the, the last thing I just wanted to point out as well, uh, which is really scary and, and, and something I, I lecture on uh, a lot, is that there are a ton of actual systemic health effects uh, that, you know, high exposure to noise does. So 
there are actually direct links to high noise exposure and cardiovascular disease, uh, you know, increased uh, heart attack, endocrine issues, uh, increase in all different types of, you name it, diabetes. Um, for, for females, uh, there's low preterm birth weight uh, associated directly as a result of noise exposure. Is, and blood, pressure, is blood pressure in there? Blood pressure is right there with it. So it, it, it basically follows this cascade where, you know, just to think of a very simple example that everybody could relate to, uh, you know, me being here in Boston, the light hasn't even turned green and I'm already getting, you know, honked at and yelled at and given a middle finger, you know, behind me in, in, in the lane. So obviously somebody, you know, blares their horn at you and starts cursing at you, you, you get worked up and it aggravates you. And what ends up happening when you hear that horn? Well, it's loud. And as a result of the aggravation, your, your body starts to have an endocrine response and you, you're, you get an increase in adrenaline and norepinephrine and you go through that whole cascade. Now that only happens once you know, in a month. Well, maybe not a big deal, but if that happens consistent, uh, consistently enough over a period of time, then that starts adding up to those different types of health issues like hypertension, as you mentioned. And of course, chronic hypertension then leads to, you know, severe, uh, you know, heart attack, COPD, that whole uh, line of, 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 of thinking. So long story short, there are all these connections that I, I would never have thought uh, being exposed to a loud noise would eventually have any kind of relation uh, to these different types of systemic effects. So um, where, where, uh, you know, where it comes into play as a dental professional is basically that, unfortunately, we're basically in the eye of the storm. We're, we're the bullseye when it comes to noise exposure, because what noise induced hearing loss basically is, it's a permanent impairment of our, of our hearing that results from a, 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 an exposure, from a cumulative exposure to high levels of noise. So think about the average dentist right now, our, our, our average career is, is around 35 years. And think about the environment that we work in every day. Well, we're in nothing but a high noise, high frequency environment. So you start putting in the exposure to that high noise and you start putting in the accumulation over a long period of time. Well, we're, we're fitting the exact definition uh, of, of where this uh, noise-induced hearing loss is coming from. So we're, we're about as high risk as you can possibly get. Now, with the noises that we have, they seem to be on the very high, the higher pitch, higher frequencies. Talk a little bit about how, where that really falls in. Because I'm actually familiar with it a little bit. And at one point, I did buy some some uh, he, he, you know some earphones which uh, you wore for the better part of a year and then they disappeared so talk a little bit about where that where that falls in this whole spectrum yeah so you know the the magic number for everybody to to keep in mind listening in is is 85 decibels or higher that is kind of the sound exposure level uh that can create uh hearing damage so Obviously, the question is, well, what the hell is 85 decibels? How do I know? And, and the easiest way to kind of relate to that is if you're, if you're standing and talking to somebody who's literally just three feet in front of you and you can't hear them, and the only way that you can hear their voice is by having them you know, raise their voice and talk louder, that environment that you're in is, is considered to be around 85 decibels. So 
to kind of give a little bit of a background of kind of common sounds that we're exposed to, uh, typical conversation like you and I are having right now is usually around 60 to 65 decibels. So we're safe. But you get into that higher decibel environment, you know, think of a blow dryer, for example, that can go up to about 90 decibels. Um, think of, of uh, uh, your lawnmower, uh, that can go up uh, upwards of 100 to 110 decibels. Uh, think about going on the subway for those who live in a big city, uh, you know, New York, Chicago, whatever it might be. Uh, those decibels go from upwards of 110 up, up, to, up to even 125 decibels. And I'll go over, you know, what the standards are in terms of noise exposure. But, but the take home is that gives you a little bit of an idea of, of, of kind of everyday sounds. And so as long as you're in that prolonged environment of 85 or higher, that's where you start, uh, you know, creating hearing loss for yourself. But is there is there some component though, because of the high pitch, that that causes you to lose that that tonal range in your ear, like your yeah. Hearing? So 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 definitely, there's different ranges of of frequency and and decibels. But yeah, frequency. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So with the frequencies, you know, our ears as well uh, are are able to hear high frequencies and low frequencies, and what basically ends up happening is that when you start developing hearing damage, yeah. uh, the very first thing that will go is going to be your high frequency hearing. And why that's kind of a, a little bit of a challenge for us is that if you were to lose your high frequency hearing, you actually will have no clue that it's happened. And the reason for that is uh, like we were just talking about, our conversation right now is not considered high frequency. So there are very few things that you really um, or in a high frequency environment that would even clue you into, hey, you know what, I'm having a hard time hearing that. So the only time that you would actually begin to notice that, hey, you know what, I think my hearing is kind of a little bit odd, is the point that you've already lost your high frequency altogether, but now you've actually started to lose some of your lower frequency hearing. And the problem, of course, is by the time you've reached that point, you've already passed that point of no return and you've already started developing that permanent damage and you're basically on the road to hearing aids. So, you know, the, the easiest way I tell uh, dental professionals, because we can relate to this every day with our own patients, what happens to our patients that come in that have decay or that have some type of periodontal disease or, or periapical lesion? You know, we're, we're pointing it out to them on the radiographs and we're telling them, hey, we know you're not in pain right now, but if you don't do something about this, this decay or this infection or whatever it might be is going to keep progressing. And of course, they, they think nothing's wrong. And by the time they come back to us and they're in severe pain and they got an abscess and they say, hey, you know, you got to save me. By that point, that decay or infection or whatever it might be has gotten to a point where it's so big, it's no longer treatable. And now the tooth's got to go. So that's kind of the easy way for, for dentists to think about hearing where uh, noise-induced hearing loss is completely silent. You'll have no idea that uh, it's going on and that you're actually damaging your hearing. And by the time you actually realize something's off, you're already going to be uh, too late. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's scary, but it's true, you know. And I, I will say I've been practicing 32 years, and I believe that I have already lost a little bit of the upper tone, um, for sure. Um, Absolutely. I'd, I'd be willing to bet, um, you know, for me, I, I tell everybody, it's not a question of if, 
It's just a question of when and to what degree we're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna lose it because of what we do uh, for right. a living. Huh? What'd you say? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I do. Yes, let's let's just try to make a little fun of it, but it's not <laughs> it's not a joking matter. Uh, so talk about what. So it's been your mission, right? So you speak on this, you lecture on this. So this is a passion of yours, right? It is, it is. And, and I really wanted to not only educate everybody on, on the risks and, and really just how bad of an issue it really was, uh, and to educate everybody on the actual dental equipment we use and, and the amount of exposure that we have and what damage we get. But then, you know, last but not least, I also really wanted to try and, you know, provide a solution uh, for us so that people could actually have something that would be effective and prevent this from happening. Um, one of the things with hearing loss, which is a good thing for us, is that it's actually 100% preventable. So, you know, we associate things like we think, all right, well, you know, as we age, uh, you know, our hair will turn gray. And we think, you know, as we age, naturally, we're going to, our hearing is going to start to go. But the fact is, you can maintain your perfect level of hearing your entire life if you actually uh, were, were doing things to prevent it. So this isn't something that is going to happen to us, uh, you know, if we do something about it. So that's kind of really uh, where, where my interest came in, of, uh, is trying to make everybody aware uh, of what we do uh, and then, you know, try and help people uh, have some type of a solution to it. Well, I know this is not a video broadcast, but most of you that either know me or, or, or have seen me on different things, I have gray hair. So I'm going to take that a little personal, that little comment about, <laughs> you know, your hair is going to turn gray because I still have a little bit of pepper in here with the salt. But for the most part, you know, you, 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 but you're right, too. And think about the patient that comes in. Well, I figured if I had my teeth till I'm 40, I'd be lucky. I figure I'd have dentures at this point. Right. It's like unavoidable, you know. Exactly. How many of our patients go, oh, well, you know, my grandparents had bad teeth. My dad had bad teeth. Yeah. So it's been why, a good run. I, yeah. Why should I bother doing crowns or, you know, come for cleanings? I'm, I'm screwed anyways. And it's like, you know, there, it couldn't be anything further from the truth. Mm -hmm. So, so talk about, so, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, I had to, I had to poke fun a little bit. I had to poke the bear a little bit. So, so, you know, they talk about the preventability, talk about some of the things that someone can do and then talk about your solution. But what are some of the things the person tomorrow can go into the office and do now being cognizant of it? Because usually this show is released on a Sunday. What are some things that they can do, you know, for the week ahead to maybe lessen their, their risk? Yeah. So I, I think a couple of things that, that kind of help right off the bat, you know, everybody wonders, well, you know, maybe the equipment I have isn't so bad. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things I did was, you know, on my iPhone, I just downloaded a, a, a decibel app and I literally went into the office and, you know, while I was working on a patient, just let it run and, and took a look and said, all right, well, let's see, you know, the room I'm sitting in my high speed or suction or whatever it is I'm using, what, what kind of noise am I exposed to? And I, and I, you know, started to see for myself just how bad those numbers were. So, you know, just to give everybody a, a little bit of a background, like we talked about, 85 and above is the area that you want to worry, of, uh, worry about. And if you go by um, the NIOSH standard, which is basically what audiologists go by, it's based off of, you know, science of how long you could be exposed. 
just to give you a little bit of an average, um, if you are working in a 90 decibel environment, you can only be in that environment for a cumulative period of two hours a day before you start developing permanent hearing damage. Now, the, the, the take home with this is, is the following. Well, first of all, and, and I've got the, the dental literature that shows it, uh, it, you know, we might be in the office eight or 10 hours a day. Obviously, we're not prepping teeth for eight or 10 hours straight. But what the literature has showed is that the average dental office uh, cumulatively through the day is working two plus hours in terms of doing some type of, you know, drilling, ultrasonics, whatever it might be. And what they actually found was that the average uh, decibel exposure in a lot of these practices was right above that 90 decibel number. So it was literally head on based off of what those standards are saying, and, and it attributed to why we were getting hearing damage. But the part that is, is a little bit scary about those standards is that, first of all, that standard is based off of a five-day uh, week, eight-hour-a-day day. So that standard, those, those numbers are assuming that your remaining 16 hours of your day outside of work and your entire 24 hours of Saturday and Sunday, you're actually spending it in an exactly you know, noise safe, noise friendly, quiet environment, which of course all of us can relate to is, is not the case. As soon as we leave work, we might be going to the gym and what are we putting in our ears? We're putting in our iPods and we're putting them on full blast so we can you know, run a little bit harder. And we're going to a coffee shop or, or a restaurant at lunch and you, you know, there's plates, uh, that are you know, being clanged and banged into and people moving around and, and we're in a loud environment. We're on the subway. Uh, like we said, we've got you know, cars honking or we might live in a city where there's you know, uh, ambulances constantly going by or we might be going out to a concert at night. So long story short, uh, you know, this isn't even taking into effect what we're doing outside of the dental office. So if you really look at uh, the numbers for a, a, a typical 24-hour day, and you start including the weekends, you start realizing that those standards are actually really conservative. And then if you start looking at uh, the dental uh, literature in terms of the different sounds that we're exposed to, uh, I can give you just you know, one study just as an example that was done by an audiologist at a dental school. Uh, they went to that dental school and they wanted to test all of the different types of equipment that they had. Just for the high-speed handpieces alone, they found numbers, and, and this ranged from Micromega to Siemens Cavo to Midwest to the Cavitron Ultrasonic. They were getting ranges between 100 and 115 decibels. So you look at the, the standards again, and according to those standards, you could only be exposed to that sound for under 15 minutes a day before you're developing permanent hearing damage. And of course, all of us are doing that for more than 15 minutes a day. And, and, and then we've got our time outside of work. So you start putting two and two together in terms of what we're exposed to. And we start realizing, holy cow, no wonder all of our friends and colleagues in dentistry uh, can attest to having some difficulty in hearing because we're, we're really right in the eye of the storm. Is there any type of, of modifications that you can make to either your equipment or your environment? Can you know would it would sound like not really sound absorbing I mean, on the wall? Anything like that? Yeah, it, you know, 
the problem with with dental practices, of course, is we we work out of multiple rooms. Right. So you know, part of the uh, the difficulty from a protection standpoint is uh, it's a lot easier. And I thought about this when trying to think of a solution. It's a lot easier to protect our ears and put something in those than try and invest in changing all of our operatories and creating soundproofing rooms and you know getting rid of our suctions and going all electric with the hand pieces and there's some little things you might be able to do but the reality is uh with all the different equipment that we have we can't stop using the equipment so it it becomes a lot easier for us to go the other direction and saying all right the equipment is what it is but what can i do to protect myself so that that equipment can still do its job but not actually damage my hearing and and that's kind of where um, you know my 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 mindset came in. So uh, you were you were asking in terms of like solutions and what everybody can do. And when I started looking into this, I started thinking, well, you know, there's there's foam earplugs everywhere. How come how come none of us have ever put foam in our ears? And of course, the the answer to that is if if we put foam in our ears now we're gonna cut ourselves off from our environment. There's gonna be a ton of muffling. We, we can't communicate with our patients or our staff and we got no clue what's going on. We're, we're in a cloud. So that's why none of us wear earplugs or else that would be an easy solution. Uh, then what, what ended up happening is that, you know, the, the, the plugs that people are probably more familiar with, there's a technology known as passive earplugs. And basically what that means is that you can buy an earplug that has a filter within it and what that filter ends up doing is that depending on the strength of that filter, it will actually reduce uh, the, the decibel of, of the environment that you're working into. So it's a good solution because it will lower that loud sound and will, will make things a lot safer for your ears. But the problem I was running into with those passive uh, plugs is that it's lowering everything across the board. So even you and I's conversation is getting muffled. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm really having a hard time being comfortable, uh, you know, working in, in, in the chair when I can't talk with my patient. Uh, and so that really became uh, a no-go for me as well. So finally, the, the, the solution that ended up being the winner um, is a new type of technology that's known as active hearing protection. And, and basically what that is, is instead of just putting in a filter in a plug, there is an actual electronic circuit uh, that is within that earplug itself. So you think about it as like a smart plug and, and what the technology is able to do is that even though you're wearing an earplug and your ear is completely sealed off, uh, any sound like our conversation right now uh, that is below that decibel or frequency level that's safe, it will allow that sound to pass through your ears completely untouched. So even though your ear is sealed with a plug, you and I hear each other the exact same as we are right now with nothing in our ears. So that by itself is already, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, high tech and fascinating. But then on top of that, um, any of those sounds that are in that high frequency and high decibel sound, the high speed, uh, the ultrasonic, the, you know, anything in the lab, whatever you want to say, those sounds are by that electronic circuit, they're automatically identified, uh, they're isolated and they are, they're lowered, so they're compressed. So the best example I can give everybody is imagine you're in your car and your radio's on full blast, you're literally getting that volume button and you're just turning it down. 
So you can still hear the song and you can still sing along with the lyrics, but it's not going to be at that full blast volume that's going to cause uh, you know, the hearing damage. So by, by wearing a, a, a plug that utilizes that technology, I'm sitting there in the dental environment and I can still hear uh, my, my patients and my staff completely normally. I'm conversing with them as if I would any other way. And I can still hear the high speed and I can still hear the suction, but I, I don't get that aggravation anymore. I don't have that annoyance. If that high speed suction catches the patient's tongue, and instead of me jumping up and, and having that annoyance, it doesn't even flinch. It doesn't even bother me. I think, oh, you know, the high speed's on. Oh, the suction hit the person's uh, tongue. So I can sit in a dental environment for eight hours straight and nothing's ever going to happen to my to my hearing. Sam, when you talk about singing along with the lyrics, if, if you allow that to happen for me, you might want to put a full blocking earphone in there to just completely <laughs> shut it off. Because then it then it gets bad. It's You're not, off the, bad. Uh, not the Sinatra voice. No, 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 no. In fact, my wife, she told me, I love it when you sing to me. I said, oh, I bet it, I gotta marry her. I mean, before she figures it out. Like it was a little, that was my little cue. Right to the yeah. jeweler. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh so so how did you go about you, you had to create this technology. How did you go about? Because you 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 brought this about. You invented this. So we'll talk about the ear aid product. How did yeah, you yeah. So so I started looking into um, different types of uh, technology that existed there within the ear and audiology world. Um, and so I started researching uh, different types of hearing companies and and speaking with them and basically saying, Hey, listen, I'm a dental professional. Uh, these are the sounds that we're exposed to and I'm trying to find a solution and, and what do you guys have? Uh, so that's how I stumbled across this electronic hearing. Um, I spoke with a couple of different companies, tested a couple of their products. Uh, obviously some were better than others. And I ended up finally teaming with uh, a company based out of Chicago uh, that had created what was known as in-ear technology. Um, the, the owner of that company was uh, you know, Pioneer has like a hundred patents to them. Uh, and they had developed some products specifically for the military and the music industry. And we were basically able to adapt uh, the technology that they had patented uh, and adapt it for the dental environment. And that's how uh, it came about uh, to, to create the product. Um, and from there, I, I started working uh, with trying to get it out there from a dental standpoint. So I started going to all the trade shows and having a booth and, and trying my best to, to speak on the topic and, and educate everybody on it. But obviously it's, it's definitely been an uphill battle because it's not sexy. It's not the newest composite or the newest 3d scanner. Um, you know, it's not something that people are taking seriously. Uh, I even had a, a an ADA uh, two year professional product review done on it, which we earned top marks. And I thought, you know, the ADA, given their history of speaking on this topic, would really step up and, and tell everybody, hey, like, start doing something about it. But even they have been kind of, you know, sluggish and not, and not doing much. So it's really fallen on, on us to, to kind of spread the word and, and try and educate people so they can just do something. So you could say it's fallen on deaf ears. You can do that. You could have taken that that's too cheap. I know that's a cheap one, but I I, I, uh, I saw the opportunity to, there. Had to do it. Nah, never, never a, a miss for a little little zinger. So. 
So, uh, you know, but if to your point though, the return on investment is not immediate, it's long-term. It's like, it's like investing in a retirement account. You know, it's like, you don't see it now, but you know, boy, when you're 58, 60, 65, 70, you're, you're enjoying a higher quality of life because you did some smart things in your younger years. So, you know, I, I, I am going to get some myself, even though I don't know, it might be too late. I don't think it's ever too late for sure. But I also think this is something we could get for our team because they have the, the walkie talkie in the one ear and they right. can have this in the other ear. So, and it's just yeah. to protect them. And then maybe someday they'll thank me for doing it. So, so and, talk and, about and, how do you just, uh, how do you dispense it now? What, what, what is it? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> as far as the actual, product itself I, I i worked for a little bit with patterson and I, I i tried working with other companies and right now i had been teamed up with uh, a company called forward science um and they've been known probably you, you may have heard of them they they do a lot of kind of the lab detection oral cancer screening that type of stuff uh so they're they're a company based out of texas um and they uh, they've had that product now um, so that would probably be the, the people to reach out to, um, you know, for anybody interested in it. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing I'd say is, you know, you look at where we are now after COVID and, you know, two, three years ago, if you told dental professionals, they'd have to wear an N95 mask, you know, they, they would have laughed at you. And, and you think about dental loops and 20 years ago, you know, it was like, what do I need these? Nobody's ever used them. There's no point to them. And of course, they're standard of care now. And, and people won't bat an eye to spend, you know, 3,000, 3,500 bucks on a pair of dental loops, which of course, they're, they're magnifying glasses. It helps you do your job better, but it's not going to prevent you from going blind. So I, I try to explain to people, you know, they're standard of care and you won't bat an eye to invest 3,500 bucks. But, you know, for some earplugs that are a fraction of the cost and that are actually going to prevent you from losing one of your five senses, you know, your sense of hearing, uh, why would you not want to do that as opposed to waiting until you actually lose it and then having to, you know, pay five, six grand for hearing aids? It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Well, couldn't, no truer words have been spoken. So just where can they get this product? Uh, the right now, the best way would be to contact uh, Forward Science. So uh, I think their their website is probably forwardscience.com, uh, or obviously you can you know give them a call and and they will uh, have that product there. Okay, fantastic. So I got to ask you this in wrapping up. I didn't get this to you on the other podcast. I ask everybody this: if you had the ability to go to any time or place. Where would you go? When would you go? And why would you go? Wow. Any, any time or place. Mm -hmm. Uh, God, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I think, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little corny here and, and, and not do anything too dramatic. I, I grew up in the eighties, but I was too young. I, I would have wanted to be, I would have wanted to be a little bit older. I would have been, I would have been watching the Showtime Lakers in person. You know, <laughs> I followed them, but I was too young. I knew what was going on, but I didn't. Uh, and the eighties, I mean, you look at the, you know, movies back then and, and the technological boom and everything that was going on. It just seemed like it was a, a, a cool time to, 
to, to be running around and, and, and being around. Heck, I could have been watching your games at Syracuse too. I mean, <laughs> I think that would have been the, I think that would have been the time. Cause I, I feel like I, I, I just missed the boat. I kind of, you know, had my high school years in the nineties and I, I, even the music in the nineties sucked. I mean, the music in the eighties was, was awesome. So I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I just missed the boat. I tell my sister all the time. She's she's the lucky one. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a unique answer. So appreciate you. Uh, anybody, thank you very much. Dr. Sam, appreciate you very much. Thank you. And that's the Feed for Service podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Feed for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.